I'm Addie. And I'm Mira. And you're listening to Open Casket. A supernatural podcast about the show that just won't stay dead. <laughs> Why did you say that so aggressive? everybody welcome back we're gonna see how this goes we've got four episodes to cover today and i honestly am not sure how much we're gonna be saying about any of them we'll be saying something whether it has any value who knows who knows i feel like we need a little intro bit i remembered fleabag this week (laughs) and i watched all of it like four times nice I've never seen it. It's only like five, six hours total, so. Quite different from the Goliath of Supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? Um, I had a bad week, which is why we're recording this kind of far after I've watched the episodes. Oh, I fully watched the episodes like over a week ago now. Yeah, it was a little less for me, I, th- I think. I don't remember when I, well, since I've watched um, Phantom Traveler, it's been at least a week, so. Yeah, so it has been, like, a week, but that's enough for, I think, both of us to forget a lot of what happened in these episodes. To be fair, though, these episodes, I think, were exemplary of a point you made last week, that early and probably most Monster of the Week episodes do not have enough substance to be hour-long television. Yeah, we'll get to it, but in Bloody Mary, they literally have, like, a little mini road trip because they don't have enough stuff to fill the time. Yeah. I will say I did enjoy myself, but it's not the television that would have gripped the heart of the nation, you know? Yeah. Also, I don't think we set up top which episodes we're covering today. They're going to be Phantom Traveler, Bloody Mary, Skin, and Hookman. The fan favorites. I mean, I think one of them I would call a fan favorite. Uh, do we want to jump into Phantom Traveler? Yeah, let's go ahead with Phantom Traveler. Do you have the summary for us? After the mysterious crash of a commercial airline, Sam and Dean are called in by a family by a family friend to investigate. They soon learn they are dealing with a disaster-causing demon and will need to board a doomed flight in order to exercise it. Yep, that sure is. <laughs> sure is a disaster demon. Uh, this episode is the first one directed by Bob Singer, director, writer, and executive producer. He was also the co-showrunner show- um, since season one all the way till the end. He only took a step back during season 11. Interesting. And this episode was written by Richard... Hatem? Hatem? H-A-T-E-M? Um, he only wrote this episode and episode 10, Asylum. It was really weird looking at his IMDb, because he would just, like, write one or two episodes of a bunch of random shows. But then he was also a co-producer and writer of the 2002 cult film Mothman Prophecies. What? And then he became the executive producer of HBO Max's Titans. And that's, like, it. So was it all like CW shows or WB shows? I'm I'm trying to find no. Or was he just like a he was guy? Just like a guy who did like one episode and then made Mothman prophecies. <laughs> that is incredible. What a career. Okay, let's hop in. We start with a guy uh, in the bathroom. 
He's nervous in a bathroom. There's another guy there. Something, something, nervous flyer. The other guy leaves. Some, what looks like a minimized swarm of bees, except black, crawls in through the vent and then uh, goes into his eyes and mouth. And then his eyes are black. Da dun. And then we go onto the plane. Exactly 40 minutes in, he goes to the emergency exit door and pops it open, and then the plane crashes. Yay! I'm sure more important stuff happens, but... Probably some subtleties, but... Yeah, you see everyone that comes up later in the episode as having survived the crash. For now. <laughs> For now. Uh, I was. You said that the demon essence looked like a minimized swarm of bees. I actually had that... The black smoke wasn't that bad. It looked like a super generic asset to me, but I didn't think it was weird. Yes, and all of those look like a minimized swarm of bees. <laughs> Except, like, black. That's fair, I guess. But I guess as far as a cold open goes, it's intriguing. And damn, that would suck if you were on a plane and someone did that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't. You can't, but... <laughs> they pointed out in the episode, like, it's physically impossible for a human to do that, but... After that, we cut to... Uh, Sam and Dean get called by one of John's friends, I think? No, no, no. Important things happen before that. Okay, tell me. <laughs> we get, uh, it cuts to the boys' motel room, and we get the classic... Tumblr post of the slope of Jensen Ackles' ass. Yes, I forgot. I This is one of the notes I forgot to write down is the uh, Dean Winchester, uh, like, boudoir angle. Yeah, I said, can we classify this as applying the male gaze to Jensen Ackles? Because it does fit the criteria of a male gaze shot. It literally swoops up from his calves and then, like... And then, like, lingers on the ass. And then it goes <laughs> up towards his face... But it only shows his face for a very short time before you see Sam's shadow in the background. Exactly. I'm like, that is classic description of the male gaze, but it's applied to Jensen Ackles. Incredible. That's equality. Yeah. Anyways, Sam shows up. Insomnia King. Insomnia King having nightmares about Jess. Hmm. Sure hope they aren't prophetic. Well, they can't be prophetic because she already died. I mean, but they were. We just don't know that yet. Yeah. We find out in this episode though, right? I have no idea. Oh, wait, no, that's the second. It's it's Bloody Mary. It's Bloody Mary. My bad. They, they all blend together. <laughs> all of these are the same episode, but with, like, a different insert monster. That's wrong. They do have plots, but... They're actually all quite different. <laughs> they are legitimately but... quite different. They're, like, the four different kinds of episodes you get. Yeah, but it's... There's, it's they all have their own personality, but it's still feels like it could have been they could have been from any tv show of the time and i think it's just a sense of supernatural as we know it now it's not there yet it's still finding its identity which is fine it's season one of a tv show yeah um but then they get the call from the family friend then they get the call from the family friend he's like yo mysterious circumstances i forget when they figure out that it's a demon but they figure out it's probably a demon Interestingly, they do make a point of like, we don't know if this is really real. We kind of know that this is real, blah, 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 blah. Um, 
I found this really interesting. Sam specifically mentions that, like, all cultures have demon lore, and this one specifically is taking the pattern of, like, a Japanese type of demon that, like, I forget the exact phrasing, but- Something about natural disasters. Yeah. Uh, they give up on this. Like, they very quickly just turn it into, like, their spin on the Christian demon. They go to- apparently this guy's name is Jerry. They go to his hangar? Question mark? Or they go to talk to him. Um, one of his friends uh, piloted the plane? Yeah, I was gonna say drove the plane, but that's not right. He has a copy of the black box, I think. Something like that. There's an EVP on it. It says no survivors, except there are survivors. Dean at some point says something about, like, another cursed flight where all of the salvaged parts of the plane get put onto other planes, and then all of those planes crash. Because this is before they know it's a demon, and he was suggesting haunting parts of the plane, I think? I don't know. Because they don't know it's a demon until they get, like, sulfur samples or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, before we keep going on this, um, I had a small note of when they first talked to- did we say his name was Jerry? Yes, Jerry. He's like, oh, Sam, I'm surprised to see you back. Your dad said you were off at college. He's so proud of you, you know? How much of that do you think is true? And how much of that do you think was like, he's just saying that of- I think it possibly is true- at least from Jerry's perspective. Like, I'm sure John's not talking to his friends like, yeah, my dickhead kid decided to go to college <laughs> instead of hanging around in this car for forever. Yeah. And everyone just took that, like, him being like, oh, yeah, where's Sam? Uh, Sam went to college. He's at uh, Stanford. And they're like, oh, my God, congratulations. And then he's like, oh, yeah, the I'm such a good dad. <laughs> yeah. Also, we know certain things from later on about John's opinions on Sam at Stanford, but... I don't remember the specifics of it, so I'm not going to bring it up here now. I don't know it at all, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I think it's in season two, but I could be wrong. Maybe it's season... No, it would have to be season two. Anyways. <laughs> this doesn't matter. It does, but... It does, but that was just our small insight into the mind of John Winchester. Yeah, anyway, um, then Sam and Dean figure out that one of the survivors uh, checked himself into a mental hospital. They're pretending to be, like, CIA or FBI or something. They're pretending to be government officials because I the guy... I think Homeland Security. Something like... Yeah, probably Homeland Security because Max is specifically, like... The kid's name is Max. He's specifically like, yeah, you guys already talked to me and you uh, said I was crazy, so... Mm -hmm. And then Sam is like, no believe what you saw, blah, 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 whatever. I don't remember exactly what he says, but I just found it funny that um, Max is like, maybe you're the crazy one to Sam. He's like, you're insane if you think that any of that is true or possible. Yeah, this is where we also get the bit about Max Googled, or fake Googled, whether or not you'd be able to open the door. And it's like, no, the pressure on the door is over two tons. That's why, like, planes don't fall out of the sky. <laughs> Apparently, oh, here we go. The guy's name was George Phelps, the guy that got taken over by the demon at the beginning. Ah. And they go to visit his wife. 
between these two scenes, I kind of had like a was it these two scenes? There was an at some point in the episode it kind of hit me that they were um settling into the Sam talking to people, Dean playing like practical bad cop dynamic of like Sam really trying to get them to open up and Dean being the one that's like, okay, we need the information. Give us the information, my guy. You know? Yeah, then they go to the wreckage. They find traces of silver. Sulfur, not silver. <laughs> oh, I must... I have sulfur written down. I must have just said silver. Um, <laughs> and then I think this might be where Chuck actually dies, the pilot. But... Yeah, they basically find sulfur on both of the wreckages, and they figure mm -hmm. out that both crashed 40 minutes into the flight. Dean has a homemade EMF reader. I love his EMF reader. It's so important to me. He's so proud of it, too. He's, like, showing it off to Sam, and Sam's just like, okay, okay, bro. <laughs> then they figure out, oh, he's going after all of the survivors, um, the only one that is planning to fly soon again is the flight attendant, Amanda. Yeah, so they're looking at the all of the survivors, trying to pinpoint when the thing's going to attack next. I had a note that, um, so after they realize that it is a demon, and like we mentioned, they have that whole, it's a Japanese chaos demon that they kind of ignore later. Dean makes the comments of, Demons don't want anything but death and destruction for the sake of it. And then he mentions it maybe being like out of their league. And I just found it interesting because it's the first time we kind of see Dean feeling um, not confident to take down the creature and, you know, save everyone who's involved. Yeah, which considering where this show goes is incredibly <laughs> funny to me. It's like, oh yeah, we can't we can't deal with a demon, Sammy. That's like next level shit. Also, I was wrong. They don't have I guess minor spoiler, they don't have the anti-demon possession tattoos yet. Those come like way later. I mentioned that in like I forget if it was last episode or the first episode, but I was wrong. I just assumed because <laughs> there was a demon. Anyway, Amanda. Amanda, the flight attendant, they go to the airport, they call her to try to persuade her not to, or they call her gate to try to get her to not go on the flight. She clocks them as being liars and basically hangs up on them thinking that they're like friends of her brother or something. Her ex. <laughs> yeah, her ex. Um, which like, fair enough. And then uh, they have to go on this haunted plane or this possessed plane. And Dean's afraid of flying. Dean is so afraid of flying. He specifically has the line like, why do you think we drive everywhere? So Dean is like trying to be like, we shouldn't, maybe we shouldn't get on the plane. It's, you know, we know for a fact that it's going to go down. And then Sam is now the one who's... Like, well, if you don't want to do it, I'll get on that plane, which is a change from specifically episodes one and two, where Sam was a little more of not as concerned as what was happening with everyone else as he was with his goal of avenging Jess, because he was willing to get on that plane without Dean. Yeah, I wonder if that might have anything to do. This is only just now coming to me. But if Jerry said like, oh, yeah, your dad was really proud of you. Um, 
I wonder if that might have changed anything in his mind. If it's like, oh yeah, maybe I should be trying to do this and like save people, hunt things, the family business. Mm -hmm. Or even just accepting now that their dad has just sort of ditched them and is expecting them to do this. So it's not like a race to find their dad or like their dad's, I don't know, just the idea that he's accepted that there's nothing else he can do right now. Like he can't do anything for Jess in the moment. So he's more willing. Yeah. And they don't really have a lead on where to find their dad. Um, They're on the plane now. Sam convinced Dean to go on there or Dean just like gave in. The co-pilot is the one that's possessed. They don't know yet, though. They think it's going to be the um, flight attendant. They assume the flight attendant's going to be possessed. Oh, yes, because important uh, thing. We learn that people who are afraid are more susceptible to getting possessed by demons under this set of lore that they're currently working off of. The lore that we get is emotional distress and addiction. This will definitely not be a fun little tool that will help us later. We also learn about ways to test for demonic possession, including holy water and saying God in Latin. Uh, Yeah, they think the flight attendant is possessed, so Sam sends Dean to go talk to her. Yada yada, Amanda, she's not possessed. They figure it out. They then figure out that it's the co-pilot uh they lure him to the back sam or is it sam or dean that does the exorcism spell also they find a massive sam book does. that has a demon exorcism written in it yeah sam somehow found an exorcism don't worry about it <laughs> they said yeah, don't worry about do it do not even worry about it um sam is pretty much running the show when it comes to this exorcism and Dean is almost like a comedic relief during the scene. He's like, getting, he gets the shit kicked out of him a bit. <laughs> he makes some jokes. And Sam is the one who is more serious, you know, like reading from his little book. They pour some holy water on him, on the demon. And it like burns this demonic symbol out of his torso or something like that. It was pretty cool, actually. I do not remember that being part of the demon lore. Um, I only had a note about that because it's part of the demon lore in the video game Mortuary's Assistant. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. It's like this whole thing with like demonic symbols and holy water. So I was like, hey. This is fun. Yeah, they exercise the demon. Um, But before that, the the demon says he knows about Jess and that it was Sam's fault. And now she's burning in hell. They are alive. They go to Jerry. Uh, he mentions that he got Dean's number from John's uh, voicemail, which they're surprised about because apparently his cell phone's been out of service since he went missing. But when you call the number now, it directs everybody to Dean. Uh, yeah, he's alive. He's just uh, kind of dragging them around the country. He's busy. <laughs> Do you have anything else on this episode? My only other note was when... The demon gets, like, exercised. There's, like, this crazy shot of the plane being, like, lightning zapped. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, damn, that's crazy. Uh, But I guess overall, it was a fine Monster of the Week. Had some funny moments. And short and simple, 
nice introduction to demons. Yeah, it was uh, a pretty good introduction to demons. It's not really consistent with future demon lore, but that's not important for now. Uh, fun facts. You can very clearly tell that they're in the Vancouver airport. <laughs> Because all of the um, airlines are Canadian airlines. And then the actual, like, fun, fun fact. um, Apparently at the number... So there's two different numbers. There's the one that they actually say out loud. And then there's the one that's in the closed captions. Apparently they're different. On initial airing... They said the one that's in the closed captions over the um, actual voicemail. And one's an 866 number, one's a 785 number. Both of them, at one point, had voice messages. So if you called the number, you would get, like, a voice message from Dean's voice box, or voicemail box. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, that was, like, a fun little mixed media thing obligatory netflix song replacements when they're heading to the warehouse it's supposed to play paranoid by black sabbath and when they're in the impala trying to get amanda on the phone it's supposed to be working man by rush next on season one episode five bloody mary predictably in bloody mary sam and dean investigate what seems to be the legend of bloody mary come to life uh this episode is directed by peter ellis who worked on this episode and then episode 15, The Benders. He directed a couple different episodes of shows airing at this time, including Smallville, NCIS, and Criminal Minds, but unfortunately he passed away in 2006. So Supernatural Season 2 episode, Everybody Loves a Clown, is actually dedicated to him. Oh, that's fun. Mm -hmm. I don't remember that episode, other than there being a clown. (laughs) Um, and then the story was by Eric Kripke, but the teleplay, again, was by Ron Milbauer and Terry Hughes-Burton, who worked on episode two. Actually, knowing that makes some of how this episode is laid out make more sense. <laughs> it feel like episode two? It's not the same problems as episode two, but everything and nothing happens. Yeah. So yeah, we open on the girls playing Bloody Mary. Um, the they take the time to explain what Bloody Mary is, which okay. To be fair, there's there are regional variants because oh, also this episode opens in Toledo, Ohio. I see you. Um, <laughs> yes, but because they the whole thing in this is you say Bloody Mary three times and then she comes and gouges out your eyes. Where I grew up, it was. I'm pretty sure it's after you said it, she would stab you in the back or something like that. I don't remember. Oh, I forget what it was where we were. I think we had slit your throat or something. Yeah. I it, The whole point of it is that she shows up and, like, fucks you up. She shows up and fucks you up. The Bloody Mary story. Anyway, um, they explain Bloody Mary. Uh, the one that is saying Bloody Mary is called Lily. Her father, Stephen Shoemaker... Which I kept wanting to call these people Schumachers, but it's Shoemaker in the episode. Um, shows up, tells them to be quiet, and then surprise, he dies. While looking in the mirror. Oh. While looking in the mirror. Woohoo. Any thoughts on the cold open? It's functional. It's functional. And I guess there's a little like, oh my god, are they about to kill a 12 year old? But no, it's her dad. 
Yeah. Because of the the laws of the Bloody Mary. <laughs> yeah. Which, at the time, we don't know. Because for your average viewer, you're going to be like, No, it's supposed to be the person who says it. Why did that happen? Oh. So to be fair, I was intrigued. I wanted to know why. I just took it at face value. <laughs> but I don't know. I guess she kills whoever she wants. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I don't have any notes for this episode, so... You just didn't care. All right. I was just vibing, watching it at 1.5 speed. There's a lot that happens in this episode, but it's paced so slowly at the same time. Like, for some reason, we get so many scenes of just, um, I don't remember her name, but teenage girl C, of just, like, her living her life. And I'm like, I don't, why are we following her around? I do not care. <laughs> Are you talking about the older sister or are you talking about- um, It's the older sister's friend that they meet at the wake. Is she the one whose boyfriend killed himself? Yes. I guess they're doing that specifically so that like you get more of an attachment to her because that's like quote unquote the emotional core of the episode. Even though you have like four other murders going on at the same time. Yeah, because a bunch of people are dying and then we also have- and or already dead. And we already have the reveal and the buildup that Sam blames himself for Jessica's death because he had a dream about it happening before it happened. So there's no reason for us to need to build a connection to this random chick who doesn't even die. I don't even know how to go through the plot of this episode, I'm gonna be honest. Because it's like, Dean and Sam show up, they talk to all of the kids... Or all of the teenagers, they say they know uh, Mr. Shoemaker, and then Charlie basically clocks them and is like- Which one was Charlie? The sister? Charlie's the one whose boyfriend killed himself, I think. Okay, okay. Let's let's take a step back for a moment. I'm getting overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because, <laughs> so after they crash the funeral or wake, I don't remember which one it was now, they're like, okay, let's go see the guy's body, and they bribe- the coroner or actually the coroner's assistant i think they bribe the coroner's assistant because they say that they're uh like med students or something or like journalism students something or other some type of student that the coroner said that they could look at the body yes but the coroner's out and they need to get in and out before the coroner gets back so they bribe the coroner's assistant to let them into the morgue and sam just keeps shoveling cash at this guy <laughs> and dean's complaining because apparently that's the money he wins through his poker games uh i think pool hustling pool i swear he said poker because i think i was just like new lore dropped because <laughs> we've already talked about like the credit card scams and the hustling pool and i was like new lore poker yeah, I guess like if you're if you've got fake credit cards in 2005, you might not be able to do cash withdrawal or something. <laughs> so they, you got to you got to do your credit card fraud and then you got to have a side hustle for spending money. Mm -hmm. Um but the main thing they learn at the coroner's office is his eyes were like freaking liquefied. And I was just like, wow, there's a lot of liquefaction going on in these first few episodes of Supernatural. There really is. I guess because it's probably an easier uh, practical effect. But I also don't work in VFX, so. Or in FX makeup? FX makeup. Um, They go to the house. They talk to... They talk to the victim's two daughters. They have their friend Charlie there. You said her name was Charlie, right? Yes. Okay. 
According to the super wiki summary, it is Charlie. Okay, I trust them implicitly. Then we get the first of the random scenes of just Charlie by herself, <laughs> where she is calling her one of her other friends, who I don't even know if she has a name. Jill. Jill. And Jill's like, Charlie, you're stupid if you think Bloody Mary's real. I'm going to go in the bathroom and say Bloody Mary three times. And then she dies. Yeah, specifically the reflection tells her that she killed a kid. And then Charlie tells Sam and Dean and helps them break into her bedroom. Yeah, because Sam like weirdly slips her his number and like it felt really off. And then she sneaks them in. I guess it's better that it's Sam than if it's Dean. Also, these are very much teenage girls, which I will say they are not hitting on these teenage girls when for feminism. (laughs) But it still came across slightly like they wanted to. It didn't to me. Okay, maybe I was just reading too much into it. And just because it was an awkward, the writing felt awkward during that scene. And I'm like, whatever. It's not important. Uh, We eventually get the near folklore of like seeing your secrets. Yeah, because uh, they find the name Gary Bryman on the back of Jill's mirror. And then they find the name Linda Shoemaker in the shoemaker house and it's uh the victims of the ghosts might have been involved in killing the people whose names are inscribed in the mirrors because gary bryman was a boy that was hit that was killed in a hit and run that like people didn't know who did the hit and run and the car matched jill's car and then the shoemaker mrs shoemaker quote unquote died in her sleep Of, like, a medication overdose or something? Sleeping pill overdose. Yeah. But it was, like, after a argument with Mr. Shoemaker or something. Or, like, there was something involved with him. Like, telling her to take her medication. Something like that. It was sus. Oh, my God. We're three three years out of Among Us, but I forget. What the... What's the joke? When the imposter is sus? No, like call meeting whatever that's called emergency meeting emergency meeting this guy sucks (laughs) that's what it is uh i'm doing great you guys dean fake googles every woman named mary who died in suspicious circumstances in the united states in front of a mirror and somehow finds a hit (laughs) yeah i mean i guess if you add mirror to the google search it narrows it down it really wouldn't though whatever I'll, i'll i'll accept it I'll accept it. I'll accept it. Uh, there's a lady, Mary Worthington, in Indiana. Fort Wayne, Indiana. Do, 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 do. <laughs> do, 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 do. And so they drive to Indiana in the middle of this episode uh, to speak to the guy that was investigated in the murder, who just so happens to, like, have all the details that they kind of need. She was cremated, so wah, wah, can't salt and burn, but... Apparently there was a mirror, and the mirror just so happens to be in Toledo, Ohio. Wow, who could have foreseen that? Because she can travel through mirrors. That was established, that this the ghost is attached to her home mirror, but her spirit can travel through other mirrors or other reflective surfaces. So Donna and Charlie in the school bathroom. I hated this weird high schooler B-plot. Why? I didn't want to follow them around. I guess it was just they needed to add more to the episodes. They're like, now this 
we're following these kids having an argument in the school bathroom and then she has her like freak out in the middle of class which i'm like relatable but yeah but like the whole point of it is that she's the one that sees it even though that even though don is the one that said it yeah but it, i mean it was already established that you don't have to say it for the ghost to get you I guess in this they're establishing it's not just mirrors, it's all reflective surfaces because she sees it in the teacher's glasses or something and that's why she freaks out and like sprints out of the class. Charlie freaks out and sprints out of the class Mm -hmm. and like has a mental breakdown Um, and then she calls Sam and Dean to her house. I don't know, I didn't find it that weird. It's just like it's the, um, the person involved with the case that we're following around which like we did that in Dead Dead in the Water, too. I guess so, but... You also just don't like high school TV. So. I hate high school. <laughs> this is why we couldn't get through scum. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll take a step back. I think that was probably my issue. Yeah. Okay. Um. Anyways. Dean and Sam talked to Charlie about her dead boyfriend and sort of put together the pieces of it's preying on the guilt you have for being the quote-unquote cause of someone's death or something like that quote-unquote punishing people who feel guilt independent on whether or not that guilt is actually deserved based on the events that transpired around the person's death um because like i think it was dean that said it ghosts are stupid they have like black and white are you guilty or are you not it's not like well Within the context, even though you feel guilt about your uh, possibly abusive boyfriend committing suicide after threatening it for you, like, leaving him, it's not actually, like, objectively your fault that he did it. Blah, 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 blah. Um, anyway, they decide to go destroy their original mirror. Sam offers to summon it because something to do with like secrets sam says that he's gonna call her out because he he can summon mary because he has a secret or whatever and dean's like oh my god is this about jessica sam's like i can't tell you what this is of why i feel guilty about jessica's death or else it won't be a secret anymore yeah um anyway they summon her they smash a bunch of mirrors when sam is summoning bloody mary is when he says aloud that he had visions of jessica dying on on his ceiling in a fire um days before i can't remember uh probably in the days leading up to it i would guess without looking at the script (laughs) and then mary accuses dean of being responsible for people's death after climbing out of the mirror like the ring girl uh, Dean shows her her own reflection, and then he smashes the mirror and she disappears. Yay! Yay! Evil is defeated. They take Charlie home. Sam tells her not to feel guilty because, you know, if someone kills themselves, it's not your fault. Yep. I also wanted to say that um, Bloody Mary also sort of liquefies when she dies. Huh. I wonder if this is a consistent thing for supernatural ghosts. We'll have to see, because I didn't remember it. But... I cannot remember. <laughs> I've allegedly seen the first season of Supernatural, like, four times. <laughs> this is bad. Dean asks Sam what the secret is. Sam won't say what the secret is. And then uh, we get a shot of Jessica standing on a street corner in a nightgown that's different from the one that she died in. 
and then uh, she disappears and the episode ends. Overall, I think this one... It wasn't bad, but it was, like, too convoluted and also... There wasn't enough meat for how convoluted it was, if that makes sense. The beginning felt like it dragged a bit. Um, and like we said, they have that random Indiana road trip that they really didn't need. The, the road trip that really could have been a phone call, like a fade in phone call. Or they could have even had like, it wasn't in Indiana. It happened closer, like more nearby. It could have been University of Cleveland. Yeah. So weird weird some weird choices there but the sam premonitions and like his guilt over jessica was nice to explore and then also a little peek into dean also feels guilty about some deaths yeah and it was nice to get some more ghost lore i think just kind of because within these first five episodes we've already got three different ghosts and three different ways that they materialize Sort of driving home the point that the way that ghosts express themselves in death is intrinsically tied to their, like, human death, which we already kind of got from the woman in white and, like, her whole thing of going after cheaters because that was how she was wronged. And then Mary- uh, we didn't mention this, by the way. She got, like, brutally murdered and her eyes got gouged gouged out by, like, some- guy that never got caught rest in peace queen um (laughs) and then we have uh peter was the kid's name from dead in the water so yeah i don't know where i'm going with this i guess we're getting more exposure to the variety that we can get even within a single supernatural creature yeah some fun facts before we go ahead i'm glad that you mentioned dean bleeding from the eyes this was apparently part of like a subplot that got dropped Like, they were going to explicitly reveal why he felt guilty later on, but then they decided not to go with it. I'm also wondering if this might have come from, once again, I'm purely speculating, but, like, an original draft of the season that Eric Kripke might have had before they completely reworked the concept, because in that original draft, like, Dean was the only one that was in the life. I don't know. We also get an explicit date in this one, uh... The 21st of November was Shoemaker's funeral, so we know when this episode is set, roughly. And then, finally, songs that weren't in the Netflix one. This was a jump scare. Uh, Sugar, We're Going Down by Fall Out Boy. <laughs> when? That was supposed to play when uh, Jill got murdered by Bloody Mary. Okay. <laughs> That's a choice. That sure was a choice. Um, And then, in the car, when they're talking about Mary and all of the mirrors and her abilities. It's supposed to be Rock of Ages by Def Leppard. And then at the end, with Jess at the side of the road, it's supposed to be uh, Laugh I Nearly Died by the Rolling Stones. All right. Yeah. Now we're moving on to skin. Sam and Dean hunt a shapeshifter that has framed Sam's college friend for murder. This episode is directed by Robert Duncan McNeil. He... Also directed for things like Star Trek Voyager and Dawson's Creek. He also comes back in season eight to direct some episodes. That's a time jump. The writer of this episode is John Shiban. He is another X-Files alum, like a lot of the other crew. Uh, in addition to writing this, he also um, wrote the next one, Hookman. In his list of about like 10 or so supernatural episodes, he has some misses and then he has some bangers. So 
I find it very interesting that he wrote both Skin and Hookman. Right? Hmm. Anyways. <laughs> cold open. We have a different cold open. We have a flash forward cold open. It is fucking gruesome. Quote unquote Dean is running. Do we get the shot of Sam's friend? Like tied up and bloody yeah there's the fbi and like it's a whole goddamn swat team yeah it's crazy it was like really gruesome of just like her tied up and bloody on that chair there's a lot of women getting tortured this episode yeah there's four separate or three separate women and dean and kind of sam getting tortured this episode (laughs) yeah damn Lost for feminism. Oh my god, women lost this episode. <laughs> uh, we get the supernatural wash screen. Sam gets an email at his law boy <laughs> email address. Is it actually? Can you see it? Do you not know about the law boy email? No. Oh my god. This is one of the most iconic things about... Oh my god, let me see. Yeah, it's lawboy at stanford.edu. Hello? Hello? Yeah, no, I'm looking at it on the super wiki. Um, just gonna throw this out there. Stanford would not let him do that. It would be like S. Winchester. <laughs> it would, but it's so funny. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> anyway, one of his friends uh, emails him because her brother's been arrested for murder. Well, to be fair, she didn't email him because of that. They're just, like, exchanging emails keeping up with each other and just like oh by the way <laughs> oh yeah by the way um they're fully about to do a different case and then sam's like yo we gotta go do this real quick for my homie and dean's like that is so not our problem it doesn't even sound like our type of problem and sam says it is their problem because those are sam's friends yeah and there's this whole point of contention during this episode of sam saying that sam has friends sam sam claiming he has friends and that he doesn't want to isolate himself and dean being like you are lying to them therefore they're not really your friends it's impossible to be in this life and have that have those type of connections which like baby girl that's really depressing (laughs) so depressing also obviously it becomes more interesting at the end of this episode but also just in general as we learn more about the show because Obviously, Sam and Dean grew up completely isolated with basically only being able to depend on each other and then sort of their father. Theoretically, their father. (laughs) We will continue to learn that John still had contacts and like kind of a life outside of the boys that they weren't allowed to be a part of. So poor Dean, (laughs) but outside of the messed up situation that is John Winchester. It is Sam versus Dean. Can you have friends in the life who are not in the life because you are lying to them? And Dean also says something about like, and you have to lie to them because if they told you the truth, they would dump you. This is a fun uh, treat that will help us later. What am I thinking of? Blue's Clues. It's one of our three clues. (laughs) Anyways, Dean is like, no, I will not drive 400 miles in the opposite direction we are going. And then does it anyways. <laughs> Smash cut. Zach, who is the... It, it, Becky, Sam's friend. I think Sam's also friends with Zach. It's not important. But uh, he came home, found his girlfriend, like, beaten to death. And uh, he was drinking with 
Becky when it happened, but the security tape shows him arriving at their house at the time of her death. I wonder what this could be. Sam casually lies to his friend Becky and says that Dean is a cop so that they so they can help prove Zach's innocence. Uh, she gives them a bunch of paperwork from Zach's lawyers, which is very illegal. Um, and also reasonably quickly finds out that Dean's not a cop because she, you know, called her lawyers. She calls her lawyers and then her lawyers call the department that Dean claims he works for. Yeah, maybe you should have had a slightly better lie than that. But also, I don't know what lie would have had you see the files. So anyway, (laughs) there's a lens flare when Zach looks at the camera on the security tape that Sam and Dean get illegally from the lawyers. Then we see... I'm just going to call it the shapeshifter. We see the shapeshifter (laughs) basically spot his next person to impersonate. And he uh, kidnaps the guy's wife and then tortures her. Second woman torture murder of the episode. We're like maybe 20 minutes in. She doesn't die this time though, right? Or does she? Because like the, the real husband comes home and unties her. I can't remember. I don't remember the specific- I've watched this episode more than most episodes in season one, because for some reason in middle school I, like, latched onto it as one of my favorite season one episodes, mm-hmm. which I I can't tell if I'm just a Jensen Ackles enjoyer, and so <laughs> that, like, warps my opinion of this episode, but I do think it's better, but that also might be just because it's not a demon and or ghost. Yeah, I think it's fun when it's not a demon or ghost, so. Yeah. Anyway- They figure out basically how to track the thing because- It's in the sewers. It's in the sewers. There's like a blood stain. Um, They- Oh no, the guy's wife was killed. Oh yeah, yeah. She was killed. Both of us were live reading the super wiki at the same time. (laughs) Because the the guy gets knocked out by himself, the shapeshifter. And then the cops are like, this guy's crazy. Yeah. They find a bloody trail. They go into the sewers- in the sewers, they get a, a little bit jumped by the shapeshifter. They see, like, the gross skin that he sheds when they're chasing after the shapeshifter. Um, they get separated, and when they come back together, Sam realizes that. Yeah, has got the yellow eyes flare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or white eyes flare. I forget what it is. I think it's white. Then Sam gets knocked out and captured. Taken back to the sewers. Yeah, the, uh, the shapeshifter has a villain monologue about how, like, he feels isolated and alone and we find out that like shapeshifters do we is this part of the lore that like shapeshifters are born to human parents but it's like a weird mutation or something he says there's a couple different ways that shapeshifters can come to be oh it's um one of your parents has to be a shapeshifter the shapeshifter calls himself a freak is this though app is this when he's talking to becky pretending to be dean uh after this Yeah, because first the thing reveals that it has Dean's memories. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so the shapeshifter has Sam all captured in the sewers, and as he's accessing Dean's memories, he makes some interesting comments, and it's- you can argue that everything he says is just, like, a lie, but he does pull out the cold hard facts of, sooner or later, everyone's gonna leave me, Dean, with the comments of, Sam left, and- 
Even dad left. That shit hurted. Shit hurted. It leaves the plans to attack Becky. Uh, Becky invites in the shapeshifter. She thinks it's Dean. Da da da. Oh, Dean's also been knocked out and is with Sam in the scene. <laughs> By the way. Oh yes, he eventually. Dean eventually gains consciousness. <laughs> I think it was in this scene that I noticed that Becky, uh, when the shapeshifter goes to Becky's house to like kidnap and torture her, uh, she looks a lot like Mary for some reason. I can't tell if it's, like, the Jess thing again, where they're actually trying to make the parallel, or if it's just, like, women in the mid-2000s look like that. Yeah, and casting directors had a preference for, like, white blonde women. Specifically WB casting directors. Yeah. I don't know. It just hit me a little bit. Um, this is also, the shapeshifter drops the line of, they're talking about who the killer could be or whatever, and he's like, someone or something that was born human, but was hideous and hated. Until he was forced to become someone different. I am connecting some dots. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> let's not get into that. Uh, Dean wakes up. Sam and Dean are downstairs. Dean makes a joke because uh, Sam explains to him what the shapeshifter did with like gaining all of Dean's memories. And Dean's like, wait, like the Vulcans? And I'm like, I love you, nerd. Loser nerd. And then also, I had the note of, for some reason, Sam is like, maybe we should call the police. <laughs> yeah, bestie, I don't know how to tell you that it looks like your brother right now. Oh, also, the SWAT unit arrived at uh, Becky's house. We forgot to mention that. And then there's, like, a whole uh, sequence with the, the like, opening scene sequence of the shapeshifter turning into something else. And there's, like, all the crackling bones. That was also really gross. And all the teeth falling out of the mouth. What? Anyways, Dean is now a wanted man. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's on the TV. They go back to the house. Sam distracts the police. He goes to the sewers to find Becky. And he realizes, oh, the shapeshifters turned into Becky. And then it turns back into Dean at some point while, like, fighting Sam. And then Dean shoots himself for the first time. Yay! And then off of the corpse, Dean takes back the necklace, the Samulet, if you will. <laughs> we don't know that yet, though. We don't know what it is. I'm calling it the Samulet. Otherwise, it gets too complicated to talk about, like, oh, which of Dean's pieces of jewelry am I talking about? He wears a lot of jewelry in season one, and I forgot. I like it. Yeah, it's a real character choice. <laughs> and I know that they got rid of it for, like, practical purposes, because it kept, like, hitting Jensen Ackles in the face while they were doing fights. <laughs> but Samuel, my beloved. Anyway, now Dean's a uh, suspect. And also dead. And Dean's sad that he's missing his own funeral with the line, how many chances am I going to get to see my own funeral? And I just want to say, buddy, you have no idea. <laughs> we also get the nice ending of Sam gets to keep his friends even now that they know his secret about what him and his brother are actually doing on this road trip. And they accept all the crazy shit and accept him as well. Yay! Everyone is happy at the end except for all the people that died. And also the people that got tortured. Also, Dean is now a murder suspect even though he's legally dead this will be important later um i also have the note that uh in one of the, like the final lines um sam says that he's glad he's on the road with dean doing what they're doing because 
he didn't fit in at Stanford. And I just think, I think you're lying to yourself and to your brother right now. <laughs> just a little. Or maybe, maybe you're not and you felt deep down he didn't fit in, but. Huh. Apparently, for fun facts, according to a later episode in this season, this episode takes place on March 7th, which doesn't make sense. Considering last episode took place in November. Yeah, the next year. So March 7th, 2006, which it still doesn't make sense because that's too much time. Whatever. Anyway, the only other fun fact is that uh, the girl that plays the second murder victim is in at least one other episode of Supernatural. Oh, exciting. And also she was on Dark Angel with Jensen for like an episode. Er, yeah, for an episode. Cool. Overall thoughts. This episode was just like so gory in a way that I totally forgot about. I enjoyed it. I think it's a good episode. It had some fun lore, like we said, not just a ghost or a demon, but also the gore almost felt out of place. But I guess in the grand, if you look at Supernatural altogether, like this isn't a type of episode I would have expected in like later seasons or like the, that type of gore level, not the episode, the gore level. I guess to me, the gore, I guess it stood out to me, but I also did watch a not insignificant amount of Criminal Minds. No, I did too. It, it was reminding me of Criminal Minds. Yeah, and I think that's what they were going for because this specifically starts the more like the FBI subplot kind of starts here. And that entire thing I feel like has more of the Criminal Minds vibes. But also the gore, other than the one scene of the transformation, it wasn't really body horror gore. It was just like someone tied up gore. Yeah. Which, I don't know, it feels different to me. Even though it's still, like, people getting tortured and murdered and, like, screaming and crying. It's not, like, needles under fingernails or anything. <laughs> yeah, I like this episode. Sam and, Sam and Becky were, like, kind of weirdly flirting. Did you get that vibe? A little? Not, like, really, but it was, like, I don't know. I guess maybe Sam's just like that with his friends and we don't know how he is with his friends other than Brady in the first episode. I'm just like, it's, it feels, <laughs> Sam feels vaguely flirty with like every other woman he speaks to. I don't really get that vibe. No, but... I think it's just, it was because in this episode, it kind of felt like that. And then maybe it's just Jared Padalecki. Maybe. <laughs> and like, because in, and like how you feel about like men. <laughs> Man talks to women. I'm like, stop that. Leave her alone. Get a job. <laughs> I get, maybe I was just feeling that because I his some of his talks with Becky felt a little flirt, flirty, and then in Hookman he gets very flirty. Oh my god, I have so many things to say about Hookman. Surprisingly, let's go specifically with like Sam and Dean and like oh my god. Ah, uh, before we get into that songs because this is actually an important one. Okay. Um, the cold app, the cold open in Agata da Vida. By Iron Butterfly. Uh, while Sam's reading his law boy emails, it's Poison Whiskey by Leonard Skinnerd. And then the most important song of the entire uh, season. <laughs> hey Man, Nice Shot by Filter during the shapeshifter transformation sequence. This song was fully in my top 10 uh, most listened to songs for a solid, like, two months last year. <laughs> why because i got really into nine inch nails okay. and the guy from filter was the original guitarist from nine inch nails and him and trent reznor had like a massive friend breakup that i can't get into on my supernatural podcast <laughs> and now he's back and there was all this he's not back 
but like they're kind of friends now but there was all this drama because he didn't he wasn't in the nine inch nails selection of like musicians to add to the hall uh, the rock and roll hall of fame and there was like a whole like mini twitter feud about it we don't have to get into it (laughs) okay anyway it fits much better than the netflix song which is like just some it still fits the netflix one but i i just like came and i shot better fair and then uh all right now by free uh is supposed to play at the end of the episode finally hook man uh mandor hand hook corridor Sam and Dean investigate a series of supernatural deaths that appear to be morally driven. Uh, Like I mentioned, this episode is written by John Shiban and is directed by David Jackson. This is his only supernatural credit, but he's directed um, on various shows all the way from like Miami Vice to Nickelodeon's 2010 show Super Ninjas and like random ABC Family slash Freeform shows. Interesting. This is the director, right? Yes. Yes. Weirdly, that makes sense. (laughs) Does it? Looking back on the episode. Anyway, the opening scene, Lori and her boyfriend park on Nine Mile Road before going to a party. He tries to make out with her and then convinces her to make out with him. And then the hook man scratches something. Rich goes outside and then, surprise, he dies by the hook man. Lori gets out of the car. She starts to run away, but then she runs into his hanging body. He's like suspended upside down above the car. And she was like hearing his blood drip onto the roof or something. He was also, she was also hearing him like scratching at the roof. Like that's what made her leave the car was because she heard a bunch of scratching. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's uh conceptually more horrifying than the actual scene was. Yeah. I just did not find this episode scary at all. I didn't find it scary, but I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't think it was that bad, actually. I also didn't, I just think I thought it was boring. I think also part of it is that it's like the hook man. And so the entire time my mind was just playing the copy, like the creepypasta on repeat. That's fair. I thought the overall like mini plot of what the hook man's doing and the mystery of like, who is he attached to? I thought that was interesting enough. Yeah, I guess because I already knew the twist, it was less Mm -hmm. interesting. Because, like, once you know it's it's attached to Lori and, like, her feelings of who deserves to be... It's, like, morality, who deserves to be punished. It's... Also, this is kind of the first episode. I just kind of realized this. It's the first episode that really covers morality in that sort of, I guess, American Protestant Christian sort of way yeah of like you've got sinners that deserve to go to hell and need to confess and burn for eternity and then you've got you know good little church girl i'm also not that type of christian so i can't really speak on it (laughs) but i will anyway uh sam and dean go to investigate the case they crash another wake yeah again it's not two in a row it's like two across uh three episodes uh, they talked to, did they talk to Laura? Was this in the press release that, like, the attacker was invisible? Um, it was in the press release, so that's why they go to talk to her. Oh, wait, once again, they have, uh, murder information pulled up in public. <laughs> yeah. They also talk to, because Lori's in a sorority, so their cover is that they're gonna be new members of a frat. Isn't it that they're brothers at a different chapter? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the frat house where the boyfriend lived. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they go talk to the frat guys first, and then they point him, they point them to the wake, or a service, or whatever it is, and then they try to talk to Lori. She's not giving them any information. Sam mentions that he's also grieving someone or something like that. Yeah, we get the obligatory Sam's talking about Jess vaguely to a stranger thing. They sort of immediately go towards the hook man. (laughs) Yeah, like instantly. Like instantly. They research it. They almost immediately find Jacob Kearns, who killed a bunch of sex workers with his hook hand. Then they go to try to find him, and they're found by the sheriff. They write it off as like a hazing thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then Lori is at the sorority house. One of the gets into an argument with her, and then... They had gotten into an argument earlier, and when she goes home, or when she goes back to the sorority house, she sees like a weird scratch along the wall, but kind of ignores it. And she goes into her room, and the lights are off. And she's like, oh, my friend is sleeping. I'm not going to turn the lights on. And she goes to bed. But when she wakes up, her roommate's dead and on the walls is like, aren't you glad you didn't turn the light on or something like that? Very creepypasta-esque. I'm an- I do not remember this episode existing, full disclosure. Probably because there's like better episodes that cover the same, a similar premise. Not the hookman part, but the like... Moral ghost latched onto a person. Yeah, ghost... Uh, obsessed with morality i'm specifically thinking of a season two episode um so the roommate died so they talk to Lori and or no they sneak into the sorority house i don't know Lori knows they're going there i can't remember but i don't have the joke written down i just and i'm gonna preface this with i know i said i'd be normal <laughs> this is just a <laughs> genuine thought i had <laughs> of dean like makes a weird misogynistic joke but it felt so forced he he says something about like the sorority girls it felt so forced he was giving off repressed gay vibes it's literally giving off like i'm being as misogynistic as possible so you don't think i'm gay yeah i was i literally one of my like four notes about this episode is that Dean feels way more misogynistic this episode than he does in the rest of the episodes we've seen so far. Like, specifically with his comments. And that's why I was shocked that this episode was written by the same guy that wrote the previous episode. Because Dean did not interact with Becky, like, at all. But Dean literally makes a comment in, like, every single scene that made me go, like... I'm taking away one of your rights. Yeah. For every single one of these comments. Yeah. It was, it just, it seemed so over the top. Yeah. I'm glad to see that we're in agreement over this. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe they yelled at him and said, why Dean is misogynist? You need to put in more jokes. And he's like, I'll give you more jokes. But he's literally not. (laughs) Like, this is the first episode where he's like such a dude bro in it like i said it was just giving me repressed gay vibes specifically in that scene i was like nobody says that like i said in bloody mary he literally doesn't hit on the underage girls (laughs) (laughs) but then this episode the deed they wrote feels like he would be hitting on underage girls yeah oh god uh anyways after they break into this 
active crime scene and see the like cross symbol. This is when they like reveal the whole um, ghost can haunt a person, not a place. Uh, oh, is this when we learn that the reverend is like being a homewrecker? I guess. No, 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 no. That's later because that's right now they think the ghost connected to the reverend. Okay, okay. And like whoever the reverend thinks is unworthy because they only figure that out once they probably once Lori tells them because like Lori thinks that her father's being a sinner. Yeah, because Sam's like spying on him on them or just casually hanging out outside their house, not spying. Gene goes to try and salt and burn the bones. He digs up an entire grave in like 10 minutes. I was like, damn boy, what are you? <laughs> They've got a lot of practice. They're like grave robbery muscles are extremely well defined. <laughs> Sam and Lori talk outside. Now is when she tells Sam about like, the home wrecking father. Yeah. And they kiss. Yeah. Question mark. C- question mark. Felt like it came out of nowhere. I mean, they were kind of building it up. They were building it up like within the scene, but um anyway, sounds like I can't. Oh, wait. I just wanted to say um I have this one note <laughs> of um why are they kissing stop and then actually i'm remembering now why i was on team the show would be better if sam was a lesbian <laughs> i was like actually i would this that scene would have been fine it doesn't matter whether or not he is a man or a woman or neither sam is exclusively attracted to women <laughs> they accidentally made a character who's like the sensitive one but he's so straight that it loops around to being gay <laughs> Not in the way that Dean loops around to being gay. <laughs> Dean's gay because he likes men. Sam's gay because he likes women. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally it. It makes though. sense. <laughs> okay, back to being normal. Back to being normal. So they realize eventually that... Lo- or they tell Lori... Oh no, uh, straight up, uh, we forgot. The Reverend straight up gets attacked by the Hookman in this scene. <laughs> oh yeah. It, it just looks so stupid that I'm trying to forget. <laughs> this episode's so stupid. Here's the thing. I think it's solely because it's the fucking Hookman that I can't take it seriously. He's just like a guy with a hook hand. He's a guy. He has like a stupid little hat on. <laughs> It's like, oh no, we can't just burn the boats because he had a evil prosthetic. Ooh. Ooh. Uh. So they gotta find the the hook. The hook was made out of silver. The hook was made out of silver. It was melted down. They think it's in the church where he was a, uh, um... Was he a priest? It doesn't matter. There's a church that's involved. They go to the church. <laughs> There's the hook there. They melt it down and, like, do the ritual, but it doesn't fucking work. Or, no, they don't melt it down. They find a bunch of stuff that's supposed to be part of the hook. No, they find a bunch of stuff that's made out of silver. A bunch of yeah. stuff that's made out of silver, so they burn it, assuming it could be the hook. <laughs> I'm going insane! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's Lori's necklace. Lori 
these necklaces made of silver. They're like, look at her necklace. It's a cross. What's it made out of? And she's like, silver? So they burn, they burn, they burn Lori's necklace and defeat the hook man. They also, there was a lot of shooting him with salt rocks or whatever. But I was going to say, I think the twist of one, it being attached to Lori and two, the silver being on Lori's necklace, it would have been better if it didn't feel like it took so long for them to like burn all the other silver. And then also there was like three different scenes where they had to do research in the library. It, that was too repetitive. That was way too repetitive. Yeah, it really was. Um, and also there's like, is it like two different scenes where they're getting attacked by the hook man? I guess because I guess I'm counting the scene where the reverend gets attacked because like Sam's there. Yeah, because Sam sort of fights him off when they're at the reverends and then again in the church. And it kind of takes a while when they're in the church. Yeah. They defeat it right as the hookman's gonna stab Sam and Lori. And then he disappears. That's the end of the episode. Well, no, because then there's there's the other scene of the ambulance. And then you're like, oh my god, is Sam gonna kiss her again? But he doesn't. And Dean's watching them. <laughs> oh my god. I think it's because this wasn't even, like, actively bad, stupid TV. It was just, like, mediocre to boring to me. That's fair. I honestly, I think it's because I went into this knowing you disliked it. And I was like, yeah, I don't think this is a good one. So I had, like, really low expectations. But like you said, it wasn't, like, that bad. It was a little... The pacing wasn't great. And the bad guy was the hook man. (laughs) And as you mentioned, later episodes do the whole church relics and morality thing better. But this was their first run at it, and I think it was interesting. I also just like Christianity as a plot point and aesthetic. I think that is the sexiest thing the supernatural writing theme has ever come up with. Exactly. So Uh, Christianity is just a source of lore. Nothing more, nothing less. Even though it does eventually become like the correct lore, but whatever, it's a TV show. Like, yeah, we'll get into that once it comes up, but we'll get into that in three seasons. (sighs) Yeah. But as of right now, it's just a funky aesthetic to the show. I find it enjoyable. So. Yep. The only uh, other real note I had was that Sam's the one that gets the kiss this episode, which is notable because she doesn't die. (laughs) What's the kiss count at? Uh, Dean two, Sam one? Dean one on the cheek, one on the mouth. Sam one on the mouth. And then, uh, fun facts... Initially, this was supposed to be episode three. Dead in the Water is a much better episode three. Yeah, I agree. And then, um, this was actually the first episode where they used rock salt for the ghost. That's not true, because they use it in the pilot. They use salt. Dean shoots the ghost. Or, like, explicitly saying rock salt. No, he says that it was loaded with- This is lies! (laughs) (laughs) salt shells or something what is up with this let me double check what this says because i feel like it might be no this is the first episode but i'm I'm pulling up the (laughs) the transcripts for the pilot actually okay so i'm looking at it and i guess maybe it's he was just shooting her yeah they don't specifically say rock salt yeah 
which like you know what supernatural is so you know that it's rock salt (laughs) but anyway the actual important part of this is that apparently that's doctor who lore like not the salt thing but like specifically rock salt as like being shot at ghosts is the original run doctor who thing or if it's not that's like what it gets attributed to in popular culture because i was trying to like google this and the only thing it says is like salt as an anti-ghost thing not like rock salt getting shot at ghosts anyway netflix songs replacements when they show up at the frat house it's supposed to be bang your head metal health by quiet riot Mm -hmm. the Oh, we completely forgot. They fully go to a college party in this episode. Like, they're just at a party. And Sam's like, yeah, this wasn't really my college experience. And this is one of Dean's misogynistic moments of being like, yo, if this was what college is like, I should have gone to college. Anyway, that's supposed to be You Do To Me by Paul Richards. And then at the end of the episode, it's supposed to be Peace of Mind by Boston. Ugh. I have no idea why I fully just (laughs) lost it. Hook man. Hook man. Uh, I hope next episode you're ready for me to fully expire on the spot. Oh my goodness. Next week, we're talking about three more episodes. We got Bugs, we've got Home, and we've got Asylum. Too bad. One, pretty good. Allegedly. Allegedly. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.